Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. Uh, you can support the show by mail at Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of The Silent Men. The original air date, October the 28th, 1951. And this one is The Case of the Rubber Gloves. Time now for The Silent Men, starring Douglas Fairbanks. But first, a few program notes. Monday, Herbert Marshall assumes the mysterious identity of the man called X. And Tuesday, editor Steve Wilson of the Illustrated Press brings you another hard-hitting story from Big Town. Wednesday means both big story and Barry Craig, confidential investigator. And now, it's The Silent Men on NBC. This is Douglas Fairbanks, Jr. Once again, it is my privilege to introduce to you stories of The Silent Men, the special agents of federal law enforcement who, silently and for little material reward, daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Their tradition is long and proud, yet to safeguard our welfare and our liberties... They must remain nameless, the silent men. Produced in Hollywood and starring Douglas Fairbanks, Jr. The National Broadcasting Company proudly presents The Silent Men, transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. Now here again is Douglas Fairbanks. Good evening. The past few years of post-war turbulence all over the world have created a fraternity of international racketeers unmatched in history for versatility and viciousness. Merchants of espionage, professional, political agitators, black marketeers, counterfeiters, narcotics traffickers. Adept at every kind of crime from smuggling to murder, these international renegades are making capital of the present world tension. To combat them, our silent men are fighting the grimmest battle in their history. At the risk of their lives, with little publicity and with the future welfare and security of every one of us in their hands. Who are these silent men to whom we owe so much? Tonight, I will assume the identity of one of them. Special Agent James Cooper, Enforcement Division, Bureau of Commerce, in our file case of The Rubber Gloves. Morning, Coop. All right. Catching up on your paperwork? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, just checking applications. Export licenses for critical materials. How's Nancy? Uh, getting tired of waiting. Pretty soon now, isn't it? Any day. 
Well, what's it going to be, boy or girl? Girl. <laughs> you sound pretty sure. Of course. Well, better let Nancy know so she can cooperate and... What's the matter? Huh. This export application I was checking. Chavez and Company, Barcelona. That name sound familiar to you? Hmm. Chavez? Yeah. Yeah, ring some sort of bell. Me too. Wait, I think I've got it. Should be in the notebook here. Yeah. Chavez and Company, Barcelona. Suspected as transshipment agency for strategic military materials to Eastern European countries. Investigate carefully all requests for exports to this firm. Now, what's being exported to them? Rubber gloves. Rubber gloves? That's right, Larry. Here's the application for export license. Take a look. Ah. Request to export ten cases long rubber gloves to Chavez and Company, Barcelona. I don't get it, Coop. Neither do I. But maybe the chief will. Rubber gloves. That sounds innocent enough, Cooper. Yes, sir, but Chavez and Company isn't. I know. Of course, a clever outfit like that will occasionally include a harmless order to keep us guessing. All the same, we'd better find out as much about those rubber gloves as we can. I have a call in to the general manager of the manufacturing company, Chief. They'll put it through here to your office. Good. Rubber gloves. Now, why would Chavez and Company want rubber gloves? Well, according to their application, they want to sell to various industrial chemical concerns in Spain. Oh, could be my call. Oh, ticket. Hello? Hello, Mr. Cooper. Yeah? This is Ransford of Avalite Rubber Products. Oh, yes, Mr. Ransford. I'm Special Agent James Cooper here at the Enforcement Division, Bureau of Commerce. What can I do for you, Cooper? Your company recently filled an order for exports, sir. Ten cases of long rubber gloves. Well, that's fine. Hmm? I've been thinking about calling you fellas on that. Oh? It was brought to my attention only this morning. We were a little surprised that anyone else besides the government would want any. Of course, uh... uh... Just a minute. You... You've been making that type of rubber glove for our government? Yeah, that's right. Gloves are made of a special compound we've only recently developed according to government specifications. Huh. I understood unofficially that the gloves were for use in connection with a so-called Project 1065. That means anything to you. Yes, it certainly does, Mr. Ransford. Thanks. Chief, those gloves are the same kind that our boys have been using in Project 1065. 1065? Yes. The latest sequence of experiments on atomic fission. These two words, atomic fission, plunged into motion a swift series of events that were to have far-reaching consequences. Hurried late-night conferences were held. A decision was made. And it was a grim-faced chief who called Martin and myself into his office the next morning. Cooper... That application for expert license on the rubber gloves, approve it. Approve it? That's right. But, Chief, we know what those gloves were designed for. That's the point, Martin. Now, look, here's the background. Project 1065 is a series of experiments concerned with one phase of the manufacture of atomic weapons. Now, without going into the technical side of it too much, this phase will reduce the time and procedures necessary in the manufacture of these weapons by as much as 40%. Red hot, huh? Yes, Shortly after the project started, one of the scientists who was working on it went sour on us. A nuclear physicist named Frederick Kleber. Oh, yeah. He got out of the country before we could grab him. Kleber, sure, sure. That was about three months ago, wasn't That's it? That's right. Now, we yeah. think he's somewhere in Europe, hiding. We also think he learned enough to duplicate the experiments. Well, that is up to a certain point. What do you mean? Well, in the crucial phases of these experiments, there's an increased danger from radiation. 
And since this part of the work must be done by human hands, increased protection is necessary. The rubber glove. That's right. Made of a special compound. The only compound yet developed that's strong enough to withstand radiation. And yet flexible enough to permit the extremely delicate work necessary in the experiment. And yet, you say for me to okay the license to export the glove. Exactly. Yeah, but wait a minute. Are we by any chance going to export something else with the gloves? Or? We are. Two special agents. Martin and you. No, tag along and keep an eye on them, huh? But it's vital we find out just where those gloves are going. I don't think it's Barcelona. Or if it is, that, that they'll stay there long. Any line on their final destination? None at all. That's up to the two of you to find out. Well, where are the gloves now? Well, in a Brooklyn warehouse. The day after tomorrow, the Sarah B. Alston, a freighter with accommodations for a few passengers, will sail from Norfolk, Virginia. She arrives in New York the next day to complete loading, including the gloves. And then she shoves off for Barcelona. With two more passengers. Oh, no. I'm not sending you as passengers. You're going to be deckhand. What? Deckhand? Well, you think we know enough about it to pass? Yeah, there's a man named Kovac waiting for you in the next office. He'll make deck hands out of him. Good. <laughs> now, I want you and the crew so you'll be able to keep a closer watch on the crates. I know you can't roost on them in the hold all the way over, but stick as close as you can and follow them to their final destination. We hope the trail will lead you to Frederick Kleber. Any questions? No. Yes, ma'am. Oh, uh, Martin, this job comes at a rather awkward time for you, doesn't it? Oh, a little. Well, your wife. Nothing new, huh? No. Still waiting. Oh, well, I'm sorry to have to send you out, but this is something that can't wait. Oh, sure. Well, come on, sailor. Just one thing more. Now, you're going to be watching these crates. I have an idea the outfit we're after will also have men watching them. To make sure they get to their destination and to prevent anyone from finding out what that destination is. So, watch yourselves. <laughs> Martin and I reported to Kovac, and the job of transforming us into passable deckhands began. When Kovac pronounced us ready, we decided to split up so no connection would be established between us. Martin flew to Norfolk and boarded the ship from there. I picked it up in New York. A long voyage began. We were assigned to different watch sections so we could take turns keeping an eye on cargo hold number three, where the gloves were. But nobody went near it. The days at sea slid by uneventfully, quietly. Perhaps a little too quietly. Martin and I kept away from each other until the night before we were to dock at Barcelona. Then we met at the rail near the stern. Hi, Coop. How's it going, Larry? Okay. You? Fine, fine. Anything to report? No, not a thing. Been pretty dull. I know. Notice any of the passengers or crew showing an interest in the cargo? Not a soul, I don't think. Watch it, watch it. Deckhand coming. Uh, let me see. Uh, Sally Barnes. A uh, redhead, isn't she? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, sure, I know. Last time in Frisco... You know, I'd either of you. Huh? Oh, yeah. Sure, mate. Here you are. Yeah, keep it out of the wind. Thanks. Sure. Yeah. Nice night. Yep. Like I was saying, this babe Alice and me were... What a way for a married man to talk. You got to say? Uh-huh. Who is he? Name's Samson. Did he tried to get acquainted with you? No, not particularly. We're in the same watch section. I see. Well, we'd better break it up now. Look, we'll be docking at Barcelona tomorrow. From what I understand, the cargo will be unloaded into a warehouse on the dock. Mm -hmm. I heard one of the deckhands talking about a waterfront bar close by the dock. As soon as we get ashore tomorrow afternoon, let's um, let's meet there. Right. Well, see you in Barcelona. <laughs> Good joy. 
take these two stools at the end of the bar here. Okay. We'll see the warehouse from here. We won't be able to prolong getting pretty dark. Well, when it does, we can move outside. We may have a long wait. Uh-huh. Well, we know that crate of gloves is in the warehouse. Sooner or later, it's got to be delivered somewhere. No, but sooner instead of later, I can think of places I'd rather be right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Must be pretty rough not knowing whether you're a father yet. Yeah, so it is. Still going to be a girl? Sure. A girl? Sure, here I am. Well, 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 well. You by Consuela drink, uh, no? No, you see, we... Oh, a little bashful. How about you, mister? You well. don't look so bashful. You by Consuela drink? Well, ordinarily, I'd be delighted, Consuela, but you see, we are already expecting some young ladies. Oh, and... I could make you forget the young ladies. <laughs> oh, I think you're being paged. Why, you do not answer when I call you. I answer when I feel like it. Do not talk to me that way. Who do you think you are to tell me how I don't talk? What are you doing here with these two? Look, I'm sure... You are my girl. You don't tell me whose girl I am, I show you. I go with these two, I like them better than you. Now, just a minute, I'm sure... Don't tell you come with me. Oh, of me? I said come with me. Hey, you. Larry, no, cut it out. But go. Don't you see what they're up to? I kill you for that, Enrique. Do you hear me? It was those two. They started it. They tried to make Consuelo leave me and go with them. Larry, let's get out of here. Yeah. Thanks, Coop. It was a rigged deal. I almost fell for it. Oh, forget it. Let's get around this corner out of sight. Coop, they must have us pegged. That brawl was designed to put us out of the way. Or to take our minds off the warehouse. Look. Huh? Truck pulling up to the side entrance. Quick, back in the shadows. Yeah. Man getting out, can Hey. Our friend Samson. The deckhand who asked us for a light aboard ship. Opening the warehouse door. Now he's getting back in the truck. Backing it inside. I'd give odds he's after those rubber gloves. Come on, Larry. It looks like the trail's heating up. Martin and I inched our way into the darkened warehouse. Over on one side, we could see the outline of a small truck and Samson flashlight bobbing around near the tailgate. We worked our way carefully along behind a long row of crates until we were close enough to see what Samson was doing. What we saw surprised us. Samson had pried open the crate and had dumped the special compound rubber gloves on the floor. He now took an armload of other rubber gloves from his truck and refilled the empty crate with them. I don't get it, Coop. Why the switch? Wait. Now he's pried the board over the side of another crate. Uh. Looks like little straw baskets. Uh. Look. He's slipping the special compound gloves into that crate under the straw basket. Uh. Hmm. Nailing both crates up again. Still don't get it. I think I'm beginning to. But I won't know for sure until we can get close enough for a look at those two crates. All through. Yeah, we better get down. He's driving it out. Okay, now let's take a look. All right. Larry, I'm beginning to think that Chavez and companies are pretty smart outfit. What do you mean? Watch it. Barrel on your left. Huh? Thanks. Here we are. Now, figure it this way. The brawl in that bar was either to put us out of the way or at least keep us occupied until this switch was made. Got your lighter? Let's look at the crates. Yeah. Here. Uh-huh. 
Those first one's the crate we followed across the ocean, see? Chavez and company, Barcelona. Well, we know it's full of another kind of rubber gloves. Probably quite ordinary ones. And now the gloves we're interested in in this second crate. Underneath a bunch of small straw baskets. Mm. Dresses in German. Gerber Candy Company. 26 Königstrasse, Vienna, Austria. <laughs> Vienna? What do you know? Huh, pretty neat, isn't it? Chavez sells these substitute gloves to his various customers here in Spain. Well, that way, if anybody checks up on him, he's in the clear and all very innocent. In the meantime, the real gloves are en route to Vienna in a crate of candy baskets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess Vienna's our next stop, eh, Coop? No. I'd say our next stop is at Chavez and Company right here in Barcelona. What? Well, it seems to me Chavez has gone to a lot of trouble to set up this scheme. Don't you think it'd be nice of us to fall for it? Oh. You know, I think you've got something there. As long as Chavez is aware of our identity already, we're not risking anything. And right now, it's worth a lot to us to make him think we've picked up the wrong trail. Okay, what do we do? Pay a call on him? I don't think we have to go that far. Remember, all we want to do is convince him we don't know about the switch. And I think the best way to do that is to... Make like a couple of pulp magazine detectives tomorrow morning. Later that night, another ship came alongside the warehouse dock. And the crate of candy baskets and special compound gloves, together with other cargo, was loaded aboard. From the shipping line, we learned the ship was bound for Genoa, direct. Through our legation in Barcelona, we communicated with the authorities in Genoa, requesting them to keep the crate under observation. Next, I put through a telephone call to Police Lieutenant Hermann Hunzel in Vienna, a man we'd worked with before. I asked him to keep the candy shop under surveillance until we arrived. Then, at dawn, Martin and I returned to the waterfront and waited. An hour later, a truck pulled up at the warehouse, and the crate containing the substitute gloves was loaded aboard. We followed the truck to the offices of Chavez and Company and took up posts across the street from the receiving entrance, where we could both see and be seen. We managed to present quite the conventional appearance. Hats pulled down, leaning against the lamppost and <laughs> reading newspapers. You know, I feel kind of silly standing here like this. You know, you look kind of silly. Okay, okay. <laughs> you look like a fugitive from a great B-movie yourself. Any news in the Barcelona paper about the birth of your daughter? There might be. I could read Spanish. Think it's happened yet? It should have by now. <laughs> what is it? Curtain in the second story windows moved a couple of times. Could be Chavez watching us. I hope so. They've got those phony gloves all uncrated. Looks like they're making up small bundles of them. Probably to be delivered around the city. Uh-huh. They're throwing them in the truck. Do we tag along? For the first stop or two. That should be enough. Well, one thing, Coop. If they think we're off the trail, it may be easier to nab at the end of the line. Right. Besides, I'd much rather have them think we're a little on the stupid side instead of having to dodge bullets all the way to Vienna. the truck while it made the first two deliveries. Now it was time to drop the game and get back on the right trail. We took the next plane to Madrid and from there to Paris and finally Vienna. Lieutenant Hunsel was waiting for us at the airport. Where he is. Over here. Right. Well, <laughs> how are you, Hunsel? I'm fine. And the two of you? Okay. Well, it's good to see you. It's been quite a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's over a year. Look, Look, I'll show you something, Cooper. Huh? Don't you see? My wristwatch. Oh, of course. I'd forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah last time I was here, Hunsel took a fancy to my watch. 
I guess it was all the various dials and gadgets that got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I get one just like it. it, it oh, no, wait, that band. You have a different one. Uh-huh, an expansion band. See what? Oh, I never catch up with you. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'll send you one from the States as soon as we get back. Good, good. That's good. Now, come. My car is outside there. All right. So, what is new with you two? No, nothing much, except, of course, Martin's daughter. A daughter? Oh, that is good, but good. Congratulations. Well, thanks, but she hasn't exactly been born yet, I don't think. Well, what is this? She's not born yet, but already you know she's a daughter? Oh, my, my, in the United States, they make progress and everything. <laughs> so, here we are. Now, to get down to business... We have been keeping an eye on your candy shop. Oh? I think you're on the right track. You spot anything interesting at the candy shop? Not yet, but this uh, traitor scientist of yours, whom you think is implicated... Frederick Kleber. Uh, yeah. yeah. A man answering his description was seen briefly yesterday in the same block as the candy shop. It's quite possible he's hiding there. Good. This candy shop could... Um... Could Kleber be conducting his experiments there, do you think? Well, that is hard to say. There apparently is the shop in front, the uh, back room... Living quarters upstairs and the basement. Hmm. What is in the basement, we don't know. Who runs the shop? An elderly woman, uh, Frau Gerber. And you've had it under constant observation, huh? Yeah, as you will see. We are going to that street now. You see, three doors down on the other side of the street... Now that's the candy shop, eh? Yeah. Where are your men? Uh, see, on the scaffold across the street. The painter? Yeah, he is one. And then down the block, the taxi cab parked. That driver is also one. Uh, and then here to our right, the window washer. You really got it covered, Hansel. <laughs> you got a place picked out for us? Yeah, across the street from the candy shop. That uh, front room on the second floor. Here. Here's the key. Oh, fine, thanks. Each of the lookouts is equipped with a hand mirror. If they wish to attract the attention for any reason, they will flash it at your window. Right. That uh, kite is en route here from Genoa by railroad. That should arrive around four o'clock this afternoon. And as soon as it leaves the depot, I will communicate with you. There's a telephone in your room. Well, sounds like you've provided for just about everything, Lieutenant. Well, I hope so. Well, come on, Coop. Nothing to do now but go up to the room and wait. Uh-huh. Until the crate shows up. The second it does, we close in. <laughs> Two minutes after four. The train should be pulling in any minute. Mm-hmm. That candy shop doesn't do much business. Only three customers all afternoon. Hello. Hansel here. Oh, hello. Uh, that kite was just picked up at the depot by a truck. It should be there any minute. It's only a few blocks. I'm leaving now, and I'll be there shortly. Right. Well, looks like business at the candy shop will start picking up at any moment, Larry. Great. On its way. Coop, the window. A flash of light. One of the hand mirrors, huh? Yeah. Look, it's the painter. He's pointing down. Truck entering the alley behind the candy shop. Let's go. Take you upstairs, Larry. I'll take the back room. Right. Who are you? What do you want? Hmm? 
Just a small storeroom. Get out of here. I call the police. That's an excellent idea, Frau Geber. Where's the door to the basement? I tell you, get out of here. I have no money. Is that the door? Ah, and the light switch. Hmm. Empty. Please. Please, I'm an old woman. Don't worry, you won't be harmed. Nothing upstairs but a bedroom, Cope. That hall, does it lead to the back door, Frau Gerber? Yeah, yeah. Now, please, you... Come on. I don't get it, Coop. Neither do I. No sign of the crate. Or the truck. The truck could have shoved the crate off and kept going on down the alley, but I expect to find the crate in the candy shop, along with Frederick Kleber and his outfit. You must have guessed wrong, Coop. But how? Where did we go wrong? I... Wait a minute. Hmm? What's the matter? I don't think we went wrong after all, Larry. Look, on the other side of the alley, right here. You mean that building? Uh Uh-huh. Looks like it used to be a factory or a warehouse. But it's all boarded up. Hey, they're in the dust. Yeah, yeah. Footprints leading to the door and the mark of something heavy having been dragged there. Must have been the crate. Dressing it to the candy shop was just a cover. But the door... So boarded up. No. It just looks that way. See, the door opens in. The boards around the sill and sides, just for appearance. Unlocked. Dark. Okay, hold it. Drop your guns. Drop them fast. Okay. One of you go back and push that door shut. I'll, uh, I'll get it. Lock it. Now come back here. We'll get a little light. Ah, my two old pals from the ship, huh? I thought I recognized your voice, Samson. Down those stairs, both of you. Don't get ideas. I'll be right behind you. Come on, move. It out like a lab. Uh-huh. Two men. The one who started the fight in the Barcelona brawl and... Larry. You recognize the second one? Come on. I'll say. A traitor scientist, Frederick Kleber. Come on, Enrique. Little job to be taken care of with these two snooper boys. Hey, what was that? The alley door. Hooper! Martin! Hunsel! Down here! Shut up, you. Down here! Shut up! Coop, watch out! The slug spun Samson around before he could pull the trigger as Hansel and his men poured downstairs. The others quickly surrendered. Frederick Kleber was unhurt but very thoroughly frightened. We took a lot of them back to police headquarters. Well, I don't think we'll have much trouble getting extradition on Kleber so he can face a treason charge. I'm quite certain he will not. And with Kleber in jail, the security of Project 1065 is intact again. I still don't understand how you happened to find us when you did, Lieutenant. I did not just happen to. Huh? My, uh, here is your wristwatch back, Cooper. Oh, thanks. Wristwatch? Yeah, sure. Remember that alley door? It opened in. When Samson told me to push it shut, I slipped my watch off and hung it on the outside doorknob. And when the door was closed, the watch was hanging out in the alley. Well, I'll be... Well, Gilbert and the candy shop told me that you had gone into the alley, so when I saw the watch, I... Good heavens, in the excitement, I forgot all about it. All about what? Martin, for you, a cable has come from back home. The stork, it has arrived. What? Yeah, and all this talk of yours that it would be a girl. You know you were right. I... Huh? 
You mean it actually is a girl? Yeah. Well, I sort of hoped it would be a boy. You what? Yeah. I thought if I kept saying girl, it would be a boy. (laughs) Well, I give up. (laughs) Girl. How about that? This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The case of the rubber gloves completes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of the silent men, the special agents of all branches of our federal government who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story of espionage in the file case entitled Death in the Mail, another venture undertaken for our protection by the silent men. Silent Men is produced and directed by Warren Lewis. Tonight's case was written by Bob Reif and transcribed in Hollywood. All names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were John Stevenson, Howard McNear, Raymond Burr, Betty Lou Gerson, Don Diamond, and Ben Wright. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Douglas Fairbanks may currently be seen starring in Mr. Drake's Duck. Here again is Douglas Fairbanks. Millions of innocent Koreans will die this coming winter unless you give your unneeded clothing today to American Relief for Korea. That's ARK, A-R-K. Unless you have a local collection agency, please send your used clothing prepaid today to ARK, Oakland, California, or ARK, Maspeth, Long Island, New York. Thank you. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government. For they are the silent men. Now it's the Jubilee Show on NBC. Welcome back. Well, this week's episode is kind of the thing that uh, I was really hoping for with The Silent Man. Now, not to uh, say that there was anything wrong with the first couple weeks' episodes, uh, but they were, even by 1951, they were far from the sort of thing that we had not heard on radio. Uh, You know, generally... Uh, Joe Friday would go undercover to do a drug buy, you know, once or twice a year. But the Department of Commerce starting an investigation into 
a suspicious purchase of rubber gloves? Okay, I want to hear that. I want to hear that turn out to be a good episode. And it did. And we got a good story, and our two lead characters got to show some intelligence by pretending to be dumb. I love the idea of them decoying the bad guys by acting like they were, you know, movie detectives. That was funny, but also really good strategy. Now, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much to Mr. Achilles, Patreon supporter since July, currently supporting us at the Shamus level, uh, $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow as we're going to bring you a listener appreciation special. And then on Monday, we'll be back with Casey Crime Photographer, and next Saturday, another episode of The Silent Man. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.